gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And we're actually having Jessica Thompson on for the first time. I don't know how we haven't had you on yet, um, but we're going to talk to her about her book, How God Loves Us, 40 Days to Discovering His Character in the Fruit of the Spirit. And um, I'm in the middle of reading it and absolutely enjoying it so much. And especially since it's your first time joining us, uh, could you share a little bit just about yourself, your background? Yeah your projects? Yeah. Um, so let's see. I am full. I am full-time on staff at my church, which is called Risen Church in San Diego. Um, I've been full-time really since COVID uh, hit and all of the speaking engagements and all of that stopped. They were like, great, we'll take you, <laughs> which was so kind of them. So I'm on full-time staff there, and I have three adult kids. My oldest graduated from Hudson University last month, and my youngest graduated from high school last week. So um, I'm getting to the point where, you know, being a mom with kids in the house, well, it's almost over because my, my oldest just got back, but I don't know how long he'll be around. We'll see. I'm, I'm happy for him to be around. You guys understand. Um, he's, he's great. So. Yeah, I'm, we're a recent empty nester, so I do understand. Okay. We had some of that back and forth for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating the back and forth for sure. Um, but it, it's nice, especially with my oldest, like I think the older he gets, the more he understands like how to be a functioning adult in a house. Yeah. And since he was gone and had roommates, like, you know, he knows you take the trash out and <laughs> you help with the dishes and uh, without being told, I guess is, is the difference. So um, I um, 
recently wrote the book that we're going to talk about for Moody that came out this year. And then I have a book that is actually being edited by Moody now that will come out next year um, called He Loved Them. And it talks about Jesus interactions with um, different people all throughout the Gospels. So I look in uh, all four of the Gospels and I just see how how did Jesus um, interact with the downcast or the disillusioned or the rule keeper or someone who hated him. And that book is coming out. It's 20 different little interactions. Uh, so that book comes out next year. And um, I have a podcast that I'm also on with my parents and my brother. It's a family podcast. And I know you guys have had my mom on. She doesn't ever talk about it because she's embarrassed of it. And she probably should be because uh, we get a little wild. It's, you know, the idea is you're sitting with your family around a table and just talking. And so um, sometimes our family can be a little uh, wild. And so we do that as well. And like I said, my mom never talks about it. So people don't know about it, but she's on it and she can't say she isn't. So those are the things I'm doing now. Oh, and one more thing, which I'm so excited about. I uh, recently went back to seminary. And so I am also um, attending seminary online through Redemption Seminary, which is kind of an arm of Logos Bible Software, and I'm getting my master's in biblical studies. So if that doesn't sound full, I don't know what does, <laughs> but that's my life right now. No, I'll tell you, I, th- I think the um, podcast with your family is a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, but we do laugh a lot. Yeah, I but it, say, it's, isn't that the one that I was on with y'all and y'all made me try to make me sing? Is that the yeah, one? For yeah, for sure it is. Oh, yes. Lots of fun. <laughs> it's fun for us, I guess I should say. <laughs> oh, I think it's fun. It's, it's, I, I think of it as kind of a fun podcast. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe just give us, because we'll dig further into the book, yeah. but if you could just kind of tell us, um, just what the book is about and and how you kind of got here, why you wrote it. Yeah. So the why is an interesting and kind of mundane story. I don't, I don't really know um, which word to use when I describe it. Um, I had been approached by um, someone at Moody and they asked me like, do you want to write? And I, I mean, I I know for everybody, this is true, that the last few years have been really difficult. And, but for me, um, not just with COVID and what we see out in the world, but also personally, the last few years of my life, uh, I would say four years of my life have been the hardest. Um, And I, I would like to narrow it down to one of those years, but I think I will say all of them at this point. And so I was approached and, and, mm, by a friend at, the, at Moody and, and she asked if I wanted to write. And I was like, I have nothing like there's, I have nothing good to say. I have um, nothing in me to share. I'm really sort of at the end of myself and at the end of all this. And I had kind of f- felt like my writing career was over. I, I didn't want to write about parenting anymore, which is a lot of what I have written about. And I was told her, I, I definitely don't want to write about parenting. And I don't really know if I want to write about anything. And she just asked me, if you could write about one thing, what would it be? And I, again, was like, I really don't know. And she already had my answer for me. Um, 
as a good friend does. And she said, I think you want to write about how God loves his children, how God loves his people. And I said, okay, yes. If you're going to ask me if there's one thing I want to write about, it's that. And so she said, great, let's do it. (laughs) Um, She said, why don't you do a devotional? And the idea for this book, so it's called How God Loves Us, 40 Days to Discovering His Character and the Fruit of the Spirit. The idea of this book is that we want to look at who God is. And as we look at who God is, we see how he displays all of the fruit of the Spirit, which normally is a checklist for ourselves. So she was saying, let's write a devotional. And I said, okay, the idea for writing about how God displays the fruit of the Spirit towards us, I have no idea where that came from. And as we started, as I started doing interviews about this book, I had to call her and I said, did you come up with this idea? And she said, no, I think you did. (laughs) And I don't remember. Now we could blame that on COVID brain because I know all of us are forgetting all the things all the time, or I could blame it on almost being 50 at this point. Um, But I think the better play is going to say the Holy Spirit uh, dropped this into my mind and uh, yeah, decided to write about instead of how can we display the fruit of the spirit, I decided to take that concept that we so often hear about and twist it a little and say, how did God, how does God display the fruit of the spirit towards us in the way he loves and cares for us? Really appreciated everything that you just said. Uh, and and totally uh, share that sense of, you know, what, what do I have to offer? What can I say yeah. anymore? It's been so hard. What words are there? Um, yeah. Clearly you found words and they're very encouraging words. So thank mm-hmm. you for finding them uh, mm-hmm. and sharing them with us. Um, yeah. Right there at the end, you mentioned that, um, that your book is a different approach about the fruit of the spirit. And, mm-hmm. and in your intro, you talk about, um, you know, this is not a book about try harder, do more mm-hmm. kind of message, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to show the beauty of God's character. Uh, so could you talk a little bit about the difference in your approach? Yeah. I mean, I think when we think of the fruit of the spirit, we automatically either feel guilt or pride, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of a day we're having. Uh, when we think about the, that list, uh, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, patience, kindness, like all of these things. We look at that and we think, and if I'm having a good day and, you know, a good day, right. In quotation marks, if I'm having that kind of a day where, you know, I woke up and uh, made breakfast for my kids, even though they're adults with their own hands and feet and are fully capable, but I feel this love in my heart towards them and I make them breakfast and I clean the house and I do all my schoolwork for seminary and I go out and witness and, you know, like one of those days, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind to everybody. I don't scream at anybody at the stop sign who can't figure out how a four-way stop works. Um, if I have one of those days, uh, then I, I can look at the fruit of the spirit and I feel some sort of pride in my heart. Like, wow, look at me. I'm amazing today, right? Which is not the point of the fruit of the spirit or that list at all. Or um, I think, and this is probably more often where I hang out, I can look at that list and think, man, I've been a Christian for a real long time and I can't even come to a four-way stop without losing my ever-loving mind and becoming impatient with a stranger 
you know, who goes out of turn. So we hang out either in pride or despair when we look at that list as just a list of things that we need to be doing. And so what I wanted to do, you know, and I, and I, and also I believe the motivation, the, 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 um, zealousness, the way that we change is as we look at God, we become more like him, right? That whole is you behold, you become. And so I thought, oh, if I could just take some time and stop and look at how God perfectly displays the fruit of the spirit towards me, um, then hopefully as I look at those things, the Holy Spirit will use the joy um, the happiness, the love that that looking at him creates in my heart and change my heart to someone who who displays these fruit of the spirit in a different way. Um, so I think that the typical way that Christians view the fruit of the spirit is a checklist um, and a scorecard. And I want to just take that scorecard and rip it up and just tell everybody, hey, Look at the one who perfectly did the fruit of the spirit. Look at the one who perfectly fulfills our, obviously it is the spirit's work. Um, look at the one who shows you all of these things, goodness, kindness, um, uh, long suffering, the one that shows you all of these things and watch how, as you look at him, it transforms your heart into a, a heart that longs to display the fruit of the spirit instead of a heart that just tries to display the fruit of the spirit in order to, uh, you know, check every box for that day. That was really well said. You know, we've talked a lot about kind of some of the manhood womanhood debates. Mm -hmm. Um, You probably know from Rachel's book and Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, one of the things and Rachel um, has said it is that sometimes in these kind of manhood womanhood, uh, ideas. There's almost an idea like the strong Jesus is the masculine Jesus and mm-hmm. the fruits of the spirit are for the women. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you're, you tie each of these to who God is, but mm-hmm. maybe I know you started to touch on it there with kind of the, these lists that we do, but maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions about the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. I I mean, I think one misconception about the fruit of the spirit is if we try hard enough, we'll be able to do them. I mean, again, it's the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of trying harder. It has to be his work in our life, right? Like if we could just muster up enough patience uh, to be wonderful people, why would we need to be um, forgiven? Why would we need a savior, right? All we would really need is just um, some self-help on being a a more patient person. And don't get me wrong, there are things that we can be doing, you know, like a 10 count is often a very appropriate thing to do when you're feeling impatient, especially when you're going into discipline your children or to, um, or if you're angry about something and you give yourself a breath. I mean, that's a good thing to do. That doesn't change your heart. It doesn't make you a more patient person. It helps you not to be impatient in the moment with someone that's in front of you, but that doesn't change who you're, who you are at your core, right? We need the work of someone outside of us to change our very heart. We need someone to take our heart of stone and change it into a heart of flesh that longs to do the fruit of the spirit as a response of love instead of I'm going to prove myself by doing these fruit of the spirit. 
So I think, you know, a lot of people think if I just know what the fruit of the spirit are, and if I try hard enough, I'm going to be able to pull it off. And I'm here to tell you that that uh, does not and will not work. And it will end again in either being someone who's prideful, uh, who looks down on everybody else and says, thank God I'm not like them, or you'll end up in total despair. And, you know, either way, eyes are on yourself and not on Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's a very good point. Um, very encouraging, too, for those of us who, who struggle day to day. And if we're honest, we all do, right? Um, right. <laughs> what can we learn about God's character from the fruit of the Spirit? My goodness. As I wrote this, you know, I know God loves me. And I know you guys know that too. Um, but to think, get to think about the ways he loves me and how that works out uh, in, in the way he is with me. <laughs> um, gosh, it's been so encouraging. I think thinking about the way God displays joy uh, was one of the fruit of the spirit that really uh, ministered to me. I, I, I know we kind of, we come from reformed backgrounds and I don't know how often we, I, I think the reformers did think about it, but I think in some ways we've got it twisted. Like we don't often think about God's joy, except in like God's joyful if I'm good, uh, you know, but to think about that the very character of God is one of joy. It's who he is. Um, and especially when he thinks about us because we're hidden in the work of Christ. And of course, he is just rejoicing over what Christ has done and rejoicing over who Christ is. That joy that is contained within the Trinity, man, that just bubbles over and creates more joy in us. And so as I thought about that, and and, and even other parts of the fruit of the Spirit, but just now I'm thinking about his joy towards um, for us, over us, and towards us and how he feels joyful when he thinks about us. Oh man, that's revolutionary. If we could just believe that that's true for us. And kind of continuing um, on that, what can we learn about Jesus and how mm -hmm. he displayed mm -hmm. the fruit in his life? Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, because Jesus is the perfect one. We see someone, the perfect human, who displayed all the fruit of the Spirit all the time. I mean, how wild is that to think about? This perfect God-man who, he, he lived in a state, and this is my word right now, so you'll have to just bear with me. He lived in this state of shalom, where he felt complete shalom or wholeness with God. There was nothing breaking into his relationship with God. Um, complete or wholeness uh, with even within himself. Like he operated out of the identity of the beloved, complete wholeness and shalom with others and with creation. So we see this fourfold nature of shalom that Jesus perfectly displays. And he does that by walking in the fruit of the spirit all the time. And, and he has this constant connection with, with, with that part of who he is loving patient, kind, joyful. Again, I wonder how often we think about Jesus as a joyful human, um, which 
it's who he is. <laughs> and so I, I think our misconceptions about Jesus are that, you know, maybe he was like a deep thinker who, you know, never really got a joke, um, who was kind of like always about serious business. And yes, but also he's the same man that was like, let the little kids come to me. Like kids don't want to be around someone who is stodgy and boring. You know, they don't want a part of that. And so to think about this man who was like, bring those little ones up here. You know, I can't help but think about how he would probably play with the kids or even, and I don't know if you guys have seen the, um, the series, The Chosen. Um, I've only watched part of it, but there's times when Jesus would perform a miracle and then he would like look over at his disciples and kind of smile. And to think about the joy he felt after a miracle was performed and how he was like, this going to, Hey guys, watch this one's going to blow everybody's mind up in here. You know, just um, to think about Jesus in those terms, um, not to take anything away from his holiness, but he was a real human. And so for him to experience uh, what it would be like to perform a miracle and watch everybody just give glory to God. How happy did that make him? And not just the glory to God part, but how happy did it make him to be able to provide for his people? So I think we often don't think of, of Jesus in those terms. Uh, I think you're right. That's very, very insightful. Um, you know, in addition to, you know, what we learn about God, what we learn about the Spirit, we learn about Jesus as we study the, the fruit of the Spirit. What can we learn about our Christian life or our Christian walk mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. studying the fruit of the Spirit? Mm-hmm. I mean, what can we learn is that, man, God is so much better. The trying God is so much better than what we can even imagine. And I think the more we spend time studying how beautiful his character is, um, the better it is for our Christian walk. Like, yes, we need to look at the things we need to be doing, of course, right? Um, But all of those things, as we look at them, always remembering um, the God that gave us those commands is a God of love and patience and kindness and gentleness. Right? Like he is that, that even thinking about that gentleness aspect of God, um, it, it really should just in a good way crush us um, because we don't often think of him as gentle. So I think as we study the beauty of who he is, it really does change everything for us because if someone, if something like that, can love someone like me and not just love me, but rejoice over me, be patient with me, be kind to me. And what do I have to fear? You know, yes, there are hard and terrible things, but ultimately this God sees us, loves us and cares for us. Oh, we can trust him. We can give our whole heart to him and we can run after him with abandonment and with freedom and with joy. Rachel and I read the book, Gentle and Lowly, 
last year. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same thing. You, you just don't, mm. it was wonderful because you, I don't know, I think in the church, like growing up in the church, it seems like certain things are emphasized far more. And mm-hmm. even I've been kind of considering um, the kindness of the Lord. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. some verses that specifically talk about that, that I think about quite often. Um, what aspect of the fruit of the spirit encouraged you the most as you wrote this? Cause I can imagine that you did a lot of learning and growing mm-hmm. as you oh, wrote yeah. this. For sure. I did. I, I'm, I mean, I think I'll go back to the joy part. And, and again, maybe that, that is because I was in such an unjoyful place. And his joy felt contagious to me. Um, So as I was writing about the joy that God experiences, it felt contagious. I felt joy, not like running around my house, dancing, skipping. I'm so happy today. It wasn't that kind of joy necessarily, um, but just a deep sense that everything ultimately will be okay. And a deep sense of hope that God's love for me isn't based on some sort of, I made him, I gotta like him, I guess. It's not that. Um, The Bible actually says um, in Isaiah that, um, I'm sorry, in Zephaniah, the Bible says that he rejoices over us with singing which is, how do we even comprehend that picture? Um, and then in Isaiah 62, the, the, it says that the Lord will take delight in you. And I just think, ah, you know, and then it goes on, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And so to think that even though I might look at my life or you might look at your life and think, uh, no one's going to rejoice in this. <laughs> no one's going to rejoice in who that person is. And yet, and yet, like a bride who's looking down the aisle at his bridegroom t- coming towards him, that good bride or the other way around, that bridegroom looking down the aisle at his bride coming towards him. That groom, a good groom, looks at that bride and his heart wants to burst. He's so happy, right? And the Bible tells us that's the way he looks at us. And so for me, that aspect, writing those devotionals on God's joy, um, I think really changed some things for me. I love that passage from Zephaniah that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. We used to sing... Uh, a, a hymn version of that at church, and it, it has always spoken to me. Um, mm. It just quiets you with his song. It's just beautiful. Mm. So Absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other verses that, are, that stood out to you uh, in your research when you were writing this book? Yeah. Um, so I think another one of the things that really stood out to me, and, and I, I spoke a little, I talked a little bit about it when I was talking about Shalom that idea of peace um, is something that really spoke to me. And I think in second Thessalonians three sixteen it says this, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace 
at all times and in every situation, the Lord be with you all. And so thinking about how God's demeanor towards us is one of peace and his presence in our lives, as we think about who he is, as we study his word, as we dwell on who he is, he brings us peace. Him, Jesus Christ's very name, right? The Prince of Peace. And this is what, what Jesus came to do, right? To reconcile God to man, to be that peacemaker for us in a situation where there should be nothing but war. Instead, Jesus comes and restores shalom and how the Lord of peace himself, like it doesn't say, you know, the Lord of peace is going to send someone else, you know, to come over and help you or comfort you or whatever. It says the Lord of peace himself be with you. And it it reminds me of those verses in Revelations. It says like God himself will wipe away every tear from their eye. To think about how he takes such a personal interest in our well-being in our shalom, in our feeling complete and unbroken. Um, And that's what he wants for us. And he works towards that for us in everything, right? Jesus' whole mission was being that peacemaker, being that prince of peace for us. And so the, the peace that I experience when I think about that, when I sit and think, oh, this prayer right at the end of Thessalonians. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. Like we can just be praying for that constantly. Give me peace here now. As I remember who you are and remember how committed to peace you are, it's in your very name, right? Prince of peace, it's who you're called. As I think about that, oh, may you grant me peace in every place and in every situation, even at that four-way stop. the Lord of peace be with you all. Uh, It's just so beautiful to me. Again, as I think about that, I I can't help but feel settled. I can't help but feel peace. The Holy Spirit works that in me to experience the peace that Christ is for us. What you just said in reading those verses, it it brings tears to my eyes. Like there's Mm. there's so much in in my life right now in the last couple of years have been hard. Yeah. And hearing about his joy and his, his peace. Um, mm. It reminded me one of my favorite passages that I memorized several years ago in similarly difficult circumstances, uh, Romans fifteen thirteen, which mm. is now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that mm. you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy spirit. And again, that, that re- the repetition, sorry, the repetition of hope you know, the God of hope mm. that you will abound in mm-hmm. hope, you know, that's just, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I, I, I think we think like what God wants for us is us to live a holy life. And yes, I'm not saying no to that, but I'm saying we don't like these prayers and, and those verses, like he also wants us to live a joyful, peaceful life, not based on circumstances, but based on his character. And how often do we think like when someone says, what does God want for your life? How often do we say, oh, he wants me to have joy and peace and to live in this shalom and to live in this wholeness? Not very often because that's just not where we go. <laughs> you know, we go to, I, I, you know, he wants me to live a holy life and that's not wrong. As we live a holy life, we experience more of those things. That's not wrong, but I think there's more to it than just a holy life. 
Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because I think I see such a lack of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and just just because we're in, I think, difficult times, not that other times haven't been difficult, difficult, but there's, you know, especially in the church, you just spend mm-hmm. two minutes on Twitter and there's all kinds mm-hmm. of ugly things Christians saying mm-hmm. to each other. And it, it makes me sad, but yeah, among among our listeners, and we get a lot of feedback. And there, we have a lot, a lot of people that maybe came out of more legalistic circles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, they maybe had the workbook on the fruits of the spirit, and okay, mm-hmm. how are you going to display each one? Get your little checklist. Did right. you do, you know you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? I do absolutely. <laughs> um kind of no distinction between law and gospel sort of things. And mm-hmm. can you offer some encouragement with those that may be struggling right now with not measuring mm-hmm. up? And I know that even when somebody starts to kind of intellectually understand like law and gospel and and such things, it, it's still hard if you grew up in yeah. a real legalistic um, church that, you know, banged you over the head with the law all the time. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just, I've got like a million thoughts running through my head right now. But I think for those of us who grew up in a legalistic church, or maybe even didn't grow up in a legalistic church, but somehow ended up in one later in life, for those of us who aren't able to distinguish that um, how we perform is is not the basis of God's love for us. Um, I would just say to you, uh, oh, he's more pleased with you than you can even imagine. Again, you are hidden in the perfect work of Christ. Christ did for us everything that needed to be done in order for God to look at us and say, you're justified. Um, you're completely right with me. That word justification. I know my mom talks about this a lot, but she talks about it meaning not only just as if I never sinned, right? We're completely forgiven, which is the most, I mean, even as I say that, I think of things that I've done that I'm like, how could he forgive me for that? Um, We're completely forgiven, but it's not just that. Um, It's that we have Christ's perfect record of always walking in the fruit of the spirit. We have Christ's perfect record of always obeying out of love for God and love for others. You know, I love how in Hebrews it talks about Jesus being our high priest who was tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. Um, And it talks about how um, right after that, right? Like, so we see Jesus is our high priest. He's been tempted in every way without sin, never sinned which is wild. And then it says, so come boldly to the throne of grace. And I think oftentimes when we think about his sinlessness versus our sinfulness, we then want to shy away from coming to him. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to point out how beautiful he is. (laughs) And then I'm going to tell you, come boldly to the throne of grace, not the throne of you know, your checklist is completely marked off, not the the throne of, you know, you've got your act together. It's the throne of grace where you receive mercy and help in your time of need. And 
I just think about, we have this high priest who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses, the very parts of your life and my life where I'm like, I'm so weak here. How could anybody sympathize with me here? How could anybody feel this with me here? I'm such a loser. Right in those very spots, he's looking at you and saying, oh, come boldly. Um, I want you to um, experience the help and find the grace that you need. Right. So for us to remember that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, forgiving iniquity and rebellion, how he describes himself. And so for those of us who have so often placed our confidence in our own ability to do it right, man, that's trash. Um, Place your confidence in the one who forgives. Place your confidence in the one who did everything right for you. Place your confidence in the one who says, I'm slow to anger and I forgive it all. I want to bless you. I want to be with you. I rejoice over you. Place your confidence there. Placing our confidence in our own works and in our own self does nothing except again end in pride or despair. Placing our confidence in God looking at how he displays the fruit of the spirit gives us joy. gives us peace. It helps us to be kind and patient and a loving people because that's how we've been loved. Thank you for that. That was, that was very encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, this is, this book is a, a devotional. Um, I was curious how you envision people using it. Is this, best yeah. for self-study is it best for um study with groups how how did you mm-hmm. do you envision people using it you know i i don't know if i had like a oh it would be good in groups or good by yourself i think yes to both of those i just want this to be a, a tender book um i want people who have not been to church or who have felt um so overwhelmed by their problems or their life i want them to be able to pick this book up and feel the tenderness of God towards them. I have a friend who uh, really hasn't been to church in probably five years and has had, I mean, it's one of the, you know, you know how there's just some people who have so much heartbreak in your life and in their lives. And you're like, I don't even know how you can get up in the morning. It's like everything that could go wrong in her life has, you know, loss of children, um, just all of it. Okay. And she, she said to me, this was the first Christian book that I've read um, in years that I didn't throw across the room. Now, (laughs) that is my hope that people who feel like that smoldering wick, um, people who feel like they're about to give up could pick this book up and find a place of refuge, uh, find a place of rest, uh, find a place of peace and joy. That is my hope for this book. And, you know, I know that we we have all sorts of listeners, men and women, but I do know that one of the private messages I get a lot is from young moms that Mm. just feel so overwhelmed. And this this really is kind of the perfect book when you just have a few minutes, you know, because they'll say to me, right, (laughs) or you're nursing a baby or something Mm -hmm. like that, because I know sometimes they'll say, I just, I, I just don't have the time to read my Bible and study like I used to. And these are the sorts of books with, you know, even like your mom's books too, that just Mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. these little nuggets um, Mm -hmm. 
a dose of encouragement for the day mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I'm struggling. So just to our mm-hmm. listeners, I, and I think for any age too, I can see a young mm-hmm. mom using this. I Mm-hmm. And I'm probably about the same age. Um, yeah, you know, and so that's what I love about it too. It it's mm-hmm. really great for any age. We will link it in the episode notes. Um, I think a lot of our listeners will be interested in it. And do you want to share about any other projects you have going on, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, I just have the one book that's coming out at the beginning of next year. Um so I guess be on the lookout for that. By the time it comes out, everybody will have forgotten this. I've even forgotten it, to be honest. So um, <laughs> you could look out for that. I and, and again, we have our podcast, Front Porch with the Fitzes, which is if you're looking for a wild time where we make our guests sing, and they really love it. I know they love it. If you're looking for that, then we're the podcast for you. Uh, if you're not, then do not turn us on. <laughs> um, yeah, those are those are the main things that I'm involved in right now. Okay, well, I'll link that in the episode. I I kind of have different podcasts I listen to depending on kind of yes. what mood I'm in, like yeah. the cleaning the house podcast, yeah. like yeah. sit and listen and pay attention podcast. And sometimes yeah. I just need a lighthearted podcast. Yeah. And I, I do love, love your podcast. Um, so we'll link that in episode notes, the book. Thanks. And thank you so much, Jessica, for, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on and respect you both encouraged by you both. Keep going. Um, yeah. God's doing a good work in both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much.